what I then saw was in niching or in compartmentalizing these things, I've been probably just emulating what other people are doing, or I've, I've been like playing by the rules that it feels like you have to play by in that particular area. And then uh-huh. in the music area, I'll play by these rules and I'll show up like this. It's like, actually, what if we just like, you know, smush all of this together and see what comes out. And, and I think that's what I'm, I've been doing ever since. Hello, it's Jazz, and welcome to the Diary of an Indie Writer podcast. If you don't know me already, this podcast is my audio diary, where I'm documenting my journey as a writer and some of the interesting conversations that I'm having along the way. At this point, I'd love to offer a warm welcome to any new listeners, so hello. It's lovely to have you joining me if you're here for the first time, and of course, I'm very grateful if you are a returning listener tuning in for another of these diary entries. Today, I'm sharing with you a conversation with someone I first met online a couple of years ago, and that someone is Andy Mort. Andy is a songwriter and creativity coach. In his own words, he helps gentle rebels move at a pace and rhythm that suits them so they can nurture more creative play in their lives and share their unique message with the world. During this conversation that I'm sharing with you today, Andy and I talked about things like Andy's experiences as a drummer and singer in a band at school, the jobs Andy has had and how he ended up spending six years as an undertaker, how Andy's blog and podcast became about not just one thing, but a blend of things like music, personality type and creativity. How Andy realised that these parts could come together rather than him having to choose a niche. How Andy has navigated working a day job alongside working on a creative business. And the feelings Andy felt both before and after delivering his TEDx talk and what he has taken away from that experience. And so without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to today's diary entry. This is my conversation with Andy Mort. I'm really pleased to be welcoming um, Andy onto the podcast today. I've known Andy for, I think it's been a couple of years now, Andy, officially. I, I come across your, your stuff, I think, through a mutual friend of ours. And then we ended up um, speaking on a, on a summit that we were both a part of called the INF Summit. Um, so I've kind of seen you develop even in that time and things unfold for you. Um, and I guess I've always known you as like uh, kind of, blogger and like songwriter and like um tedx speaker and all of these things and all these amazing things you've done but to start things off um i wanted to like ask what sorts of things that you were into as a teenager and how your relationship with music started because i get the sense that in terms of kind of creative outlets like music was perhaps the um the first one, if you like, that you were into and connected with. So, yeah, if you can kind of 
share what maybe kind of younger Andy was like. That'd be really cool. Mm, yeah. Well, hello. Um, <laughs> I'd be really interested to to hear as well how you what you've seen develop since we've known each other. Like, you know, it's always interesting to hear the perspective of someone from the outside. Yeah, for sure. You know, from my perspective, it's like. I don't know what's really changed. So that'd be quite useful. Maybe we'll do that afterwards, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Teenage Andy. I mean, he had, a, he had an Afro and he had rather, rather big curly hair. So um, that was one thing, but yeah, music has, has been, I mean, it's my primary form of language, I would say. Um, since as long as I can remember, like when I was a kid, it was always, it was always about the drums. The drums are my first instrument. They were always my first love. Um, and so when I was a teenager, I used to, I used to drum in different bands and, and that was kind of my, my big creative outlet, um, until around, I must've been about 16. I was like, I'd, I'd kind of dabbled, I'd written songs and stuff growing up, but then I was, something in me was, was like, I want to write properly and start maybe even singing these songs. Um, and so then it was that, it was a transitional period of sort of stepping out from behind the drum kit and, you know, getting to the front of the stage every so often and <laughs> singing a song. Um, and and to contextualize here a little bit, what what sort of um, what sort of age are we talking here? Like that, this would have been. Um, so this was that was about I was about sort of fifteen, sixteen, I think. Okay. Um, so I'd, I've played in, in I played in bands through secondary school. Um, mm-hmm. So first first gig was at the end of year seven. Did like a battle of the bands competition. Yeah. Um, and it, in the midst of all sorts of political, like a uh, little band politics we we lost a member we had to like the week before this competition i think the nerves got the better of certain people in the band so we lost one um there was a big feud about the songs that we were playing uh and then we had to draft in my brother as like an emergency um (laughs) guitarist but no there was no one who could sing so even on that occasion i was like playing the drums and then i was like okay yeah i'll sing i'll I'll sing the songs from behind the drums. So there was, um, yeah, that sort of been about 12 on that occasion, singing uh, Blur and Oasis with a, an unbroken voice. Like I dread to think <laughs> how it must have sounded. Um, but yeah, that was quite an occasion. And then from that, like a lot of, I just think back to those years and, and kind of wonder what impact the competition had. Because that... Battle of the Bands was something that was like the main form of of uh, like performance growing up through those years. Mm-hmm. So we would do, we like yeah, played in various bands. Always these these competitions, and it kind of instilled this sense of like uh, kind of envy and comparison and and those kinds of things in me through music, which was like I was quite aware of at the time. Is like it's not very healthy. Um, relationship with with art in general and with with music in particular um and yeah it wasn't until it's probably probably sort of then 15 16 17 
kind of playing proper gigs that were outside of that realm um, and really developing the writing um, to start like, yeah, as a band and then as an individual. And then it was, uh, yeah, I wrote my first solo album where after I finished school. So like in my year between school and university, um, it's when I was about 18, um, did that. Yeah. Were you, um, cause I think, you know, when I was at school, gosh, I very much ended up choosing kind of the more academic subjects that I thought I was supposed to do. So I ended up doing for, so for A, A levels, like we, as you'll know, we do in the UK, 17 and 18, I did chemistry, biology and maths. Um, but I was going to ask you, um, obviously there was this musical interest there. Did you, did you choose arts orientated subjects kind of to study or, or was music more of like a kind of a background thing as it were? Yeah, I studied, I did music. Um, awesome. Yeah, so music A-level. Um, I kind of did it, <laughs> it, it was more of a, uh, I'm good at music, therefore I shall study music. Yeah, um, absolutely. Rather than, um, it wasn't a pull of passion towards it. It was more just a, I can I do it, I'll, I can get an A-level there. Um, and then the other subjects I studied were uh, English literature, psychology and politics so I ended up studying politics and international relations at, at university okay which for very little reason other than yeah that's quite interesting that's quite a maybe that's quite a that goes against the expectations that people might have of what I would study at university so I'm going to do that um which is and, again a, a bit of a, a theme I think yeah it's and the most I don't unlikely so... thing I can do yeah so, sorry to talk over you, um, okay. but did, did, did any part of that come just I, any part of that decision making process for you? So, you know, you mentioned all the subjects that you took and like, what was, was any part of your decision? Like I can kind of end up doing something with this in perhaps a more obvious way than one might with with music necessarily unless you really know that you want to go in that musical direction no no okay no <laughs> no the the future was never was never a consideration it was always a what would be the either what would be the most interesting thing I could do right now or what's the weirdest combination that I can create um and I'm like I'm quite a uh, I'm not like a natural Although I kind of go with the, the gentle rebel uh, sort of idea, but I'm I'm quite sort of conformist in many ways and don't like rocking the boat much. But there's also something within me that is always like that that could be a nice weird thing to do. Um, I wonder how that will go. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that it was never a um, I was never thinking oh, I could do this, you know, as a job when I finish uh, right. school or finish university. It's, yeah, I'm still still wondering, you know, what I'm supposed to supposed to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, what what did you end up doing like after your? So so did you finish your um, international relations and politics degree? Yeah, I've, and then just sort of I worked in a bookshop for a, for a year, um, which was that was fun. It's good. Been surrounded by books, reading mm. all the time. 
Um, and then, yeah, I've, I've kind of just done all sorts of things. Um, obviously, like the the music has remained a cons- uh, like a constant in the in the background, and um, and then kind of building online business and uh, like memberships through that and stuff, and then coaching. Um, and yeah, I, I spent a while as a uh, as a carer for for a friend family friend with uh, dementia um and doing like yeah odd jobbing um so through my 20s it's kind of just basically going from whatever whatever opportunity sort of raised its head to the next one and seeing seeing what happened mm-hmm. um and then spent 6 years as an undertaker uh kind of yeah towards the towards the end of my 20s I was like again that was a decision based on <laughs> based on curiosity at one point or another where I I'd seen I think I'd seen a hearse driving around with you know a bunch of guys in you know as undertakers I thought how how on earth do you end up doing that like what possesses you to do a job like that um and yeah how'd you get into it and then I saw a job advertised. I was like, it was like a part-time job. And I thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, <laughs> I'm gonna see how this, how this unfolds. Um, and then, yeah, got the job, and did that for for six years, um, until I'd kind of got my, yeah, got my business to a to a point where it's like, okay, I can stop doing that job now, um, and and do this full time. So, yeah, I, I guess that's. Uh, funny old thing curiosity <laughs> that was morbid curious I don't know if that was morbid curiosity or just like yeah it's gonna be quite amusingly strange to tell people that that's what I do yeah well there was there must have been <laughs> there was there was there was obviously I'm sensing there was some curiosity there I think that's a great that's a that's a feels like an apt word to use and the fact that you ended up doing that for six years suggests that was there i don't know what like, what was there something you 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 took from that in terms of i'm i'm stopping myself from saying enjoyment and i guess that's because it's 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 undertaking but was there something about that which kind of felt meaningful to it you? was meaning i think meaningful is the word yeah it was it was something that gave me what i needed kind of um financially and in terms of its flexibility right so in a practical sense but it was also something that then like transcended it just being a day job it was like no actually this is being with people at times of need um you know like just being a part of that process was really meaningful to me um and something that i think i think enjoy in the sense of not delighting in, but like actually feeling connected to at that, at that sort of soul level mm-hmm. of enjoyment like that. I, I think that word does work, but yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's a strange one, but yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like trying to, I'm connecting some dot, dots in my head. Like as you talk about this being part-time and maybe having the space for working on other things, and then I want to bring in like your, um, you mentioned the creative business 
and I guess your 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 blog and your podcast I'm not sure like which came first but can you talk about how that started to um yeah how you kind of stepped into that and how that kind of started to get going yeah that was all um that came through the music um to start with so I created my website I remember I think it was it would have been atlumschema.com which should so my the name that I play under um as a solo artist how I created my the first album that I talked about the final scene was under the name Atlum Schema which is a name I came up with in a psychology class in, in school uh, me and my friend Sam were were bored one day coming up with producer names for ourselves and I think we were we were taught there was we were learning about some sort of schema in psychology and I was like ah oh, Atlum Schema uh, whatever that means, that's going to be my name. So Amazing. that's what I took on. Um, so yeah, my first website was was my music website. So you know where I sort of share my music, and then obviously, as a lot of sites do, have a has a blog attached to it. So I thought, yeah, I'll sort of share the process and the, the journey that I'm on, playing gigs and and reflecting on things like that, and talking about yeah like music in general sharing music that i'm into and that kind of stuff that kind of stuff and then like was it it wouldn't have been long after that i started a podcast um i think it would have been the sheep dressed like wolves podcast so that was the name of of an early iteration of, of what i did um and that was a pretty much exclusively uh, sharing sort of under the radar bands um, so like playing music by bands that I'd either played with um, on tour uh, or kind of yeah stuff that I'd come across on band camp and, and things like that where it's like ah, oh, I want to give a bit of a platform to this stuff it's not getting maybe the mainstream attention um, and f- like yeah so I, I didn't used to really talk between the songs that I was playing and then over time I'd, I'd get a little bit more confidence up to maybe say a little bit more either about the music about the band uh, or the artist and then I started talking about other things as well and it was the same on my blog which um, went it kind of talked about I think it was when I when I came across um, Marty Olson Laney's book The Introvert Advantage I kind mm-hmm. of talked I wrote about about that a little bit and that article really kind of sparked, there was a lot of people kind of responding to that and engaging with it. So then that w- was almost like a, a snowballing effect of, okay, I'll, I'll write about this part of being an introvert as well and explore this part of being an introvert. And over, I don't know how long it was, like within a year probably, my site had, had gone from primarily music-based to writing a lot about personality and an introversion in particular and my podcast sort of took a a similar um went on a similar trajectory and so before I knew it it was like okay I've got two different things here um that this wasn't in a plan but I've got like my music uh I guess my music sort of audience my the people that are following me because they want to hear my music and then I've got people who have found me because I'm writing about this introvert stuff and, and personality and um, a kind of more, 
I suppose, like philosophical approach to creativity and like writing about it all rather than just sharing my creativity. And, and then it was, yeah. So many years of feeling kind of divided and feeling this sense of, okay, I've got these, these things that, uh, like I the never the twain shall meet, you know, that sort of sense. And eventually I realized actually there's no reason to keep them apart, but, uh, it did feel like the, there's this kind of chasm in, in the middle of my life here that, uh, yeah, the, put the introvert people don't want to hear my music and my music people don't want to hear about the introvert stuff. So yeah. What do I do with that? <laughs> what, what, and, uh, it's it's interesting hearing you talk about that because I, I I can relate a lot to chasms and like different pieces of who I am and my identity and like all the conventional mishmash of advice like niching and it's like oh I need to niche I need to niche and I need to speak to this one person that's out there H- how did you kind of um, perhaps navigate or, or, or make peace with that because i sense that there's been a um i mean i i don't know if you've completely found peace with it i don't know if one ever does but like you're one of the things i really admire about you is that you kind of um show up as you are in with like different facets and different parts of yourself and even with your podcast i, I know you're like i think over 350 episodes in now and it sounds like it's kind of taken different shapes and and, and flavors and you've let yourself kind of unnaturally unfold and express yourself with it so yeah did you um yeah how, how is it you've kind of managed that you know you, you mentioned like chasms and that, that kind of stuff yeah it's a really good a good question yeah i know and kind of watching you sort of navigate your journey through all of this as well it's like i can see that those tensions and that, those sorts of pressures that like i think it was the the idea of niching that almost created the chasm mm. um so like as i was kind of exploring okay how what how do i define i'm i'm needing to sort of refine and define my audience and the person that i'm speaking to and the ideal avatar and all of that stuff mm. um and that really like i i don't i don't react i find if i get sort of pushed down a um a narrowing kind of corridor, so to speak, I will fight to get out of that and go against it. And so actually the moment, if, the moment I niche is the moment I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to speak to something else. So it's like, a, actually I need to embrace everything. And eventually like it was the realization that this can all work together in a way that I don't need to define but I can just sort of let it organically happen. Um, and that was a, the, the first real moment that I felt that was on my podcast when I, I shared, I was like playing some sort of live versions of some of my songs and just finishing episodes with, okay, I'm going to share a song. And so just allowing those worlds to collide and then realizing that actually it's the collision of those worlds that bring your unique voice to the world and it's like what I then saw was in niching or in compartmentalizing these things I've been 
probably just emulating what other people are doing or I've, I've been like playing by the rules that it feels like you have to play by in that particular area. And then in uh-huh. the music area, I'll play by these rules and I'll show up like this. It's like, actually, what if we just like, you know, smush all of this together and see what comes out. And, and I think that's what I'm, I've been doing ever since, um, which might look confusing. It might look, you know, my, like my Instagram, my Instagram profile is a good example of something that is not, you know, you, you see these ones with like beautiful, they've chosen their color palette and the, everything's looks uniform and, and they've, it's obviously very well curated. And it's like, if the moment that I would start trying to do that, I'd be like, I need to fight to get out of this. Like, this is, I feel confined by this, these rules and this, these kind of dogmatic ways of approaching life. Cause it's like, that's not how I feel about life. Life is, life is messy. It is like, and that's cool. And that's, it's playful. It's uncertain. And all I like all of that. And actually, you know, let's embrace that. And, you know, some people will, will, understand and enjoy and come like come with me with that some people won't be able to and that's fine like and coming to peace with that as well like this is not for everybody but for some people it will probably be quite liberating so yeah yeah i love that the mishmash because emily wapnick has kind of spoken about this concept of um as multi-passionate people, like who we are, um, is who we are. And it's inevitably not just like this one thing or that one thing, but it's like the combination of all this different stuff that makes up who we are. And I kind of, I don't know how you feel, but I kind of feel, I'm like, you know, when I think of the niching stuff, because again, for me, it was just, there was so much tension there. And every time I tried to be super specific and kind of, uh, optimize or, or kind of you know do what I was su- supposed to do supposedly it just didn't it just didn't feel like me and um I, th- I think another way I'm I've kind of I kind of uh feel about it and I have rationalized it is I think there's an attention thing here as well so as whereas someone might be very specifically be looking for some information on something and if I were to niche, yes, they might find me in that moment. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, like by just showing up as I am, it kind of in its messiness and talking about different stuff, I feel like those, there might be, um, I don't know, kind of fewer people who find me or at least over time, it might take them longer to find me. But the connection I, I'll, I'll have with those people is a lot deeper because they've connected with jazz as jazz like showing more of himself in these different ways and not just jazz talking about you know how to go fishing in richmond on a wednesday or you know i'm I'm exaggerating with the niece thing but yeah yeah, so that's kind of how i how i've kind of rationalized it but it's it's really it's yeah yeah, it's it's uh it's refreshing to 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 see you and and others kind of embrace that more because i think in 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 for, for a long time i uh I, I i wasn't aware that it was okay to do that and actually that i could um even build a business around doing that i was like oh if i want to if i want to make any money i need to niche 
Um, and uh, if I want to do it for fun, that's when I can, you know, just be open and, and do the mishmash stuff. And mm. I think I've learned that um, those aren't mutually exclusive. And that's been a really um, like, it was a bit of a relief initially, but it's also like, I think a really important realization for me to make. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I totally align with that. It's, it's that sort of slow, slow nurturing of relationships is, I guess, what, what I've built everything on around my business, really, or what has cut, like, what my business has kind of emerged from, probably more accurately, um, that actually it's the, yeah, because I mean, I, I look at, I look at those really niched, and I'm very grateful for them, like, kind of those those kinds of uh the the people and the businesses that provide those solutions to things like fishing in richmond if if that's what i want to do then i'm really glad that that you know there's there are people that share that stuff it's very very useful um (laughs) but i can't like i i can't i don't operate in that way in that sort of you know i've thought about like how it can be really instructional about like creating a nice neat video giving an instruction about how to do something very specific mm. it's like i can't i i just can't do that there's nothing that i feel in that sense that i can i don't know if it's i can do any better than anybody else or mm-hmm. whether it's like actually that is not that just doesn't feel like the thing that i'm drawn towards in terms of the way that i engage with people and i uh-huh. engage with teaching or coaching or whatever it's like actually it's a i i love the the fireside chats the you know just going deep meandering um and exploring people's lives and just finding the nuggets within all of that and doing that in a way through my my blog and my website and my membership as well it's kind of this structured yet like expansive thing that is about like life in its kind of generality um rather than particular things um yeah yeah absolutely and your um again yeah you know yeah go for it you know what's really funny i was um I was recording a video for my YouTube channel. It was either yesterday or the day before, and the same thing happened where <laughs> I started off like, so the curtains were closed like they are now, and there was enough lighting for it to look great. And I, I turned the artificial light on that I've got on right now, and it was like, oh, no, that looks terrible. And then over the course of this video, which was like half an hour, it got darker and darker to the point <laughs> yeah. that I couldn't see myself. It, it happened so quick. It's like, oh. So probably recording anything at four o'clock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I inevitably tend to, yeah, apparently record kind of in the afternoons. And yeah, it's, it's anyway, it's funny how that's happened to you just a couple of days after <laughs> I've recorded this. Um, I've, I've noticed your, so your, what your, um, your blog, from what I understand, you've got like kind of thoughtful pieces that you, that you write. Um, and then you've kind of got, um, blog and kind of um 
almost like podcast notes, but reflections on the podcast beyond the episode itself. So you kind of combined this, your kind of blog and your podcast, which I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure I've ever seen anyone do in quite the same way. So how did that, were you doing that from the beginning or again, did that kind of um, just manifest as you, as you engaged with kind of blogging and, and podcasting? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I think, <laughs> I think it's probably a, a, an insight into the way my mind works in a fairly scattered way, because I will record the podcast and then write the notes. And as I'm writing the notes, I'm like, Oh, train of thought goes this direction and then I'm writing about this oh, I wish I'd included that in the podcast I'm gonna so the blog post almost sort of organically emerges out of reflecting on what I've talked about in the podcast so it, it's not like a that would not be something that I do deliberately it's right it's kind of yeah something that that's happened and I mean I've the blog blogging has because I really want to get back into actually you know, properly, proper long form blogging, because I, I really love writing. And I real, I've realized over this past week or so, that one of the reasons that I, like, I've, I've kind of fallen out of love with typing. And the reason for that is the infuriating keyboard on the MacBook Pro that I have, which is one of these butterfly keyboards that is horrible to write, type on. Um, and so yesterday I was like, I need, I need a solution for like the ideal thing would be a keyboard that you can. So like basically it's a, it's a very shallow keyboard for anyone that's not sort of seen them. Um, very, very thin. So not much response. Um, and like for some reason, my fingernails get caught like on the keys and it's, it's a horrible feeling. And also it does, some keys don't respond. Other keys will respond with like a whole trail of the letter. Um, so there's, you can't get into flow with typing or I can't get into flow with typing on it. And I know that they have since, I think, um, stopped selling the computers with those keyboards on. Um, I, I have no idea how they like, release them in the first place but yeah i was like i really need a because people have said why don't you just get an external keyboard um and and just type on that it's like well i i like having a laptop and i like you know sitting with it on my lap typing whether it's in bed like when i'm just kind of reflecting on ideas and things that's kind of my happy place for that um or just out and about normally sort of lugging around loads of things and and so I was like yesterday, I was thinking, oh, if only someone would invent like a keyboard that sits on the keyboard on the laptop, like it, you can just put it on top of it. Um, so you can still use the trackpad and everything. Um, and then today I was, I was searched, did a little search to see if, you know, maybe that exists. Um, and then coming, obviously like coming back to our conversation about niching again, I'm very glad that this happens with people who, who create businesses like this. Um, Cause there are, there were, two that I found, two, two Kickstarters of this exact thing um, that I was after. Uh, one of the Kickstarters is finished, um, so the, the keyboard is now available, uh, and it looks like exactly what I want. So I've, uh, I've ordered one, 
don't, don't know when it will arrive um but i'm really i'm just thinking like I'm, I, I think the main thing i'm excited about is writing again and falling back in love with that blogging the long form blogging and feeling good like feeling that writing is something to enjoy rather than something that i have to do in order to whether it's putting the podcast together or you know sending emails things like that like there was a time where i really enjoyed typing <laughs> and i'm hoping that that comes back um yeah not to be a man like a, a poor workman who blames his tools but i think it's it's legitimate on this occasion <laughs> yeah it, feel, it feels like it and i just think like also in terms of your um i think we're quite us kind of introverts and sensitive folks can be quite curious and like it it sounds to me like that was actually affecting your your rhythm and your process more than anything um and yeah just i'm, I'm surprised because normally uh they're, they're quite they're quite decent decently designed quality but I, I guess sometimes with these laptops and how like with their portability they can uh lose the actual functionality and a yeah, keyboard is I just I think of the investment as well. And for me, I'm like, it's just so worth it finding the right, uh, just something that's you know comfortable for you to type on for the for the for the value and the use that you're going to get from it. You know. Yeah, exactly. And it, like, as far as the machine goes, it's it's a great machine. Like a you know, for my video editing and music editing. Like, you know, I need I need that. It's like great. Um, and it's it's funny, like as you say, that that sense of being pulled out of that flow that reflective state like mm -hmm. i hadn't quite realized to to what degree that was happening until like this as i say this last week i was like actually that is having a real impact because i mean t it was two days ago i was i was <laughs> i was really close to just throwing my laptop out the window because it was like so infuriating because i'd be like yeah typing a sentence and there's words with letters missing. There's words with like 18 E's in the middle of them. <laughs> it's just like, like, I've got to go back and finish that before I can carry on. And yeah, it's just, just not enjoyable. Not enjoyable at all. Well, I hope, it sound, yeah, it, it sounds, this solution you found <laughs> sounds promising. So I hope that that, that solves some of those, those woes. Hopefully. Um, another thing that, that that's come up for me is, um, you know, we've talked, we've talked a little bit about kind of the, the, the jobs that you've had and, you know, this creative business or perhaps how it's taken shape with blog and podcasting. Um, and I, which we, I've got a couple of questions here. I'm trying to just figure out which one to go with. I, wa I wanted to kind of perhaps get a sense of uh, management of, of, a couple of things and i'll and i'll kind of let you follow whichever trail um uh you you'd like to and one of those one of those trails is you know finding time and energy for working on this stuff alongside especially you know when i'm thinking you know you mentioned carer you mentioned undertaker i'm aware that comes with a certain degree of um kind of emotional energy um and so I wanted to ask about that and kind of balancing that with your kind of these creative outlets. And then the second part was um, at what 
at what point you started working full time on on this and and i asked that kind of with with an understanding that that has happened because um i think well we we were part of a group weren't we where we <laughs> where i got to i guess uh, um so uh, to to explain more for anyone listening to this andy and i were part of a mastermind group um, and I remember you kind of navigating that and um, stepping into the creative business, which sounded like a really exciting time. Um, but yeah, I guess I was curious about perhaps managing time and energy and thus at what point you felt, you know what, I'm ready to kind of um, perhaps step into this now on, on, on less of a part-time and more of a full-time, full-time basis, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, it's, it, the energy flow is is an interesting one, with like with those those jobs, because they they take a kind of energy. They obviously they are emotionally um, draining mm. a lot of the time, and also emotionally rewarding as well. Like there are there's the emotionally rewarding moments in all of them, um, or in both the the kind of caring that caring um role there were moments where it was like oh wow this is so worth it like there's something that's just sparked that makes that makes this really special um and the same in the undertaker role where you just have there are moments of connection where you just feel like this was it was really important that i was here on this day in this on this occasion um and there's something energizing about that in terms of the creative, having the energy for the creative stuff, it, especially with music and, and writing, um, they are really good processing. Um, it, it was, I think, really helpful having a creative outlet to creatively process the stuff that's going on when you're dealing with high, highly emotional situations or roles, mm-hmm. actually having the creative expression helps you to just process that and that was all part of that so i guess the the bits that i find like the creating isn't it wasn't something that i found i didn't have energy for but it's i guess the the more admin parts of that stuff so like you know actually uh, planning and scheduling like releasing things and um, and doing all of that the, which is not the, it's the stuff I find quite boring um, and yeah it's not the stuff that I'm it's the stuff I procrastinate around um, and so that was yeah finding the energy for that would be something and then that was probably part of the decision making process in terms of needing to then transition away from my job um, and into that full time because it was like especially so I uh, I did a, a diploma in in coaching um, personal performance coaching in uh, 2019 2020 and so the the kind of one-to-one coaching stuff was starting to to happen a lot more as well so I was sort of working with clients and trying to arrange um, appointments and things around around work um, do the creative stuff do the admin 
like that was a lot to sort of balance um and so there came a time where it was like okay i need to i need to make some decisions here um and i know that if i let go of the job i will be able to sort of unshackle the potential for for the um for the business um one of the interesting things and something that i was mindful of was was the the kind of interplay between a, a job where I'm sort of going out and working um, elsewhere and, you know, working for somebody else and not having to even sort of think about the logistics of running that, but it's just sort of like, a, and with, with the meaning of that job as well, um, the kind of inspiration and energy that comes from that, that, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but it, like, I think there's something about just being working in your own business, working on your own thing all the time where you're not sort of, you're not given those situations that can inspire so much um, or that you're, you're not doing, I guess it's even the sort of with the undertaker role driving around very slowly can be quite a good uh a good rhythm for allowing ideas to sort of germinate and allowing things to to just sort of manifest themselves within you um that then you kind of take on and use as inspiration for uh for creative work and you don't have that so much or i don't have that so much um at least not given to me on a plate when i'm just working um from home on my own thing all the time um, so that was something that I was quite aware of, like, yeah, the good, like moving on from this job is not just, it's not just letting go of the job, it's letting go of the other things that you might not realize are sort of tied up within that and actually fueling parts of the business. Um, but yeah, that hasn't been quite so as bad as I, <laughs> as I thought it might be, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. No, it's really, it's interesting hearing you. I think reflect on that. Uh, I want to say, has it has it been a year or, or longer? About been a that? year, yeah. Been a year. First of, first of January. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, because, like I said, at that time, I was kind of perhaps a bystander watching you navigate that, and you know, we'd have these uh, do, doing these group calls. We'd kind of catch up and check in. But it's also here. It's interesting hearing you reflect on that like a year later mm-hmm. um and yeah i can so relate to just like rhythms and other things which we don't necessarily know or appreciate at the time because what we know is what we know yeah. um and then yeah like my um like my my setup now is i uh in, in mornings i i work from like a coffee shop and then i'll come home in the afternoon and I find that that kind of I found like I've just basically settled into a, a rhythm of sorts that kind of gives me a balance of kind of getting out there and moving and, you know, being in a different environment and then kind mm-hmm. of coming back home and, you know, um, then having more kind of, uh, I guess, uh, space, uh, time in my own space where I will do creative work or admin or recordings like this um 
Yeah. What, what does your kind of on that? What 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 is your? I never I never like saying typical day because I'm sure that there's one day is never quite the same as the next. But um, do you do you tend to work from home? Uh, yeah. When you yeah. do your work. Yeah, and I think because I can get lost, <laughs> I can get lost in it as well. So, like, if I'm not, I have to be very disciplined in terms of remembering to like leave the house and go for a walk and yeah it's, it's just sort of it's boundaries yeah. right it's like uh exactly yeah yeah because yeah. it's yeah it's connecting with because once i get in flow I, I can get into flow very easily uh, unless i'm trying to type on my keyboard um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i could like time can just disappear completely around me um and the kind of yeah it's those those i guess health and well-being priorities i have to make sure right these are the the big rocks are going into the day so like yeah having a good breakfast um having going like going for a walk so i generally go for a walk at around lunchtime so like mm-hmm. i go out for sort of 45 minutes an hour um if i've not been for a run in the morning and then take a little nap just have have a lunch take a little nap and then work generally sort of more adminy things in the afternoon um so creative things in the morning yeah uh, adminy things in the afternoon and then um yeah the evening it's usually i'm sort of like right rest um but there are times where i'll yeah kind of have if i'm working on something that's kind of like sparking me i will uh i'll generally sort of do a bit of that in the evening as well mm. um, but yeah it is that it's di- it, and it's i think it's the recognizing different types of energy that are requ- that, that i need um yeah and there are social energies that i need i need to be surrounded by people a little bit um and to kind of use that like there's something about that that sparks a creative energy like if i'm if i spend too much time on my own um that kind of isolation can be draining um which is a a really interesting thing you know to reflect on like as an introvert is is just sort of noticing that yes i love spending time alone um i get drained by people but there's also different kinds of energy that come from those different things and and yeah, like alone time can hit a tipping point into very sluggish draining, like, and the feeling that the feeling of isolation where you're suddenly feeling, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but there's, there's something you feel isolated from people and from other people. Yeah, I don't know. And that, you know, that's been my experience with the vast majority of introverts I've spoken to. I do think there's like kind of extents and spectra. So for example, um, you know, I know, I know some people who identify as introverts who say, you know what, to get my creative work done, really, I need to be in my own space, this, that, the other. And it might be a case of um, I can go this much time without being around people, but then that's when I start kind of losing it a little bit and, you know, it doesn't feel nice. 
Whereas for me, you know, I guess I've, I've said I go to a coffee shop every, at the moment every morning and some people would say like, whoa, like I don't know how you do that or how you get work done in a coffee shop with stuff going on around you. Um, but yeah, I think in my experience, um, even, and yeah, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't even use that word even anymore, but, but again, it's kind of still loaded in with uh, our understanding of people and of, of introverts specifically. Um, one of the things I, and it, it's, yeah, it's interesting hearing you talk about actual, the movement and the energy feeding creativity. I might have to simmer over that, but it's more, um, yeah, I don't know. It just feels really healthy for me to have like low level human heartbeats around me. And like this strange accountability that comes with, especially these days, like, a lot of laptops about these days in coffee shops and it almost feels like a little co-working space where you are kind of gently accountable and um so yeah, yeah. i suppose it's, it's different types of social kind of energy as well like if you're yeah. if you're going and you're like chatting to well strangers or friends whoever like if, if you're doing that all morning then that is going to have a have an impact on you in a way that going and sitting and working on your laptop while other people work on their things and and the world is happening around you but you're not necessarily directly engaged with it right it's going to be very different um, mm -hmm. and i I've, i feel that like yeah that sense of actually just feeling plugged into life in the sense of people um in that in that sense is is quite yeah i don't know it just helps with that the isolation thing that can can easily creep in when you feel like you're just on your own all the time um which i know a lot of people have been dealing with this past couple of years it's mm -hmm. like yeah really and taking its toll in massive ways on people as well yeah but so w when you when you do your is it the same coffee shop you go to yeah so i was going to um for, for time i was going to like my my gym's got a cafe attached to it mm -hmm. and then i there's a, a coffee shop a local coffee shop i go to which gives me a walk to get there as well so i get both the kind of movement and the being outdoors and i get to go through part of my walk goes to a park um so yeah, yeah. so you have the uh I think the, the rhythms and the routines. There's are, rhythm and routine in that, absolutely, that's yeah. That's a really important part, yeah. That's probably, yeah, the more of an energizing thing than you would, than the energy that might be drained from being around people when you get to the cafe or the or the drain that would come if you went to a different cafe every day and you were trying to yeah. you know, or, work or, out, how can I work in this place? Or like, Right, or if it was like, you know, I think of the commute I used to do when I worked in the city, which was an hour and a half each way and just, you know, packed train and just wearing a suit and just not very, wasn't so energising necessarily, whereas this is almost like a, um, like a, because actually it's made me realise that I quite like having a morning, like a walking morning commute. Mm -hmm. It's it, it's it's energizing. It's kind of good for me, you know. Um, yeah, I always I, for for a couple of years um, when I first started. So before I was was an undertaker, I was working um, 
So I was kind of doing like freelance um, film editing and animation stuff. Um, but I was working from home on that. And I would always get a lift to the other side of town and walk home, <laughs> which again, sounds like a, 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 in some ways it's a, a very counterproductive, I mean, in many ways, it's a very counterproductive thing to do. But I always really liked the thought of walking to work, commuting to work to the, like that, that transition. So it's like, right, take me to the other side of town and I'll walk, I'll walk home. Um, and then at the end of the day, I would walk, um, walk back and get a lift home. Um, and I mean, the exercise was helpful. Like it was nice just having that walk and, you know, having the, the movement and the fresh air. But there's something psychological about just that transition between home and work as well that just means that you can have that absolutely separation. yeah and i'm I'm really fortunate like i um I've got like a separate workspace here to um yeah as in it's, it's like a um, i'm I'm with my I live with my parents at the moment, so um there's lots of room, so I'm very fortunate in a way that I know some people are having to um kind of uh, living with a partner perhaps and you know sharing a workspace or perhaps even having to work from like I, you know work from the place where they're sleeping you know like they're working from their bedrooms and that again all of that um it becomes more difficult to have that separation so yeah I think my kind of that kind of at least having half of my day where I'm not at home helps with the separation thing as well mm -hmm. like for sure yeah. are, are you a um I, it's I, I again I enjoy I yeah I'm always just really curious to have these sorts of conversations with others who kind of uh, are in a similar space to where I am because we can kind of we have control of our time and our energy but you mentioned a, an interesting word like counterproductivity and you know I've kind of realized also that and I still have to remind myself sometimes of my decision-making, but it's like, oh, the more working more isn't necessarily better in terms of how productive I am, like the, the quality of that work, like how good I feel, like how much of my, my kind of best work I'm doing. Um, and maybe, you know, taking an hour out or a couple of hours for a workout or for a lunch break is more productive in the long run so yeah i think that's really important and, and i was gonna i guess what, what i was getting what i was what i was getting at before i made that point was um we're in control of our time and our energy um which i think I, I, you know i wouldn't want to change that but at the same time that comes with having to make the right decisions for ourselves so, so do you find you tend to stick more to that kind of um i guess nine to five monday to friday cadence or do you are you is it is it different for you it, um, you have yeah i mean that's a it's a really important <laughs> it's a really important question and like yeah like my because i really enjoy working um i will naturally just work seven days a week um on this right. on the stuff that i'm working on right um and so it is a uh yeah, it's a it's a real thing that I've got to be very mindful of um, in terms of like the potential for sort of burnout and and also for just bad 
ideas like bad my creativity dwindles or the quality of my creative output dwindles if i am try if i'm working all the time or if i'm trying to force it and and it's really difficult to to remember that to, to like bear that in mind you know that, that that sense of um actually the most productive thing you could do is take two hours to go and have a little wander in the park um and especially like especially when you're enjoying it and you said you're someone who like gets into flow quite easily and you really enjoy what you do i feel like there's all these dials that like constantly need like tweaking just to keep yeah. us kind of level because you're right you're like i could spend the whole week like a lot of it in flow but then actually over over at some point in time burnout will creep in or actually yeah. i've not really been out of the house so it's happened very slowly, but I'm like my, what I was producing, what I'm producing today is not as kind of great in quotation marks as two weeks ago, because I've just been, you know, at home for two weeks or, you know, whatever it might be. And that is that creep. It can, you might not feel it happening, but it might be sort of two weeks down the line, you wake up and you're like, I suddenly feel awful. Like I feel like I can't do anything um, <laughs> because I haven't been, you know, in that rhythm and that, that routine of actually, you know, getting those, those healthy rocks in, into the, mm -hmm. into the heart of my habits. Um, but yeah, I, th I think the, that, that nine to five cadence you talked about, like that's something that's really hard to shift. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a really, it's something I'm very, very aware of is that feeling of like, no, I should be working at certain times. And it doesn't matter if I replace say you know I'll, I'll work um maybe i'll be doing something in the evening like maybe a workshop or a, a conversation interview or a coaching session um so like seven till nine in the evening is taken up working if i'm if i if i was to say okay that means nine till 11 in the morning i'm gonna just chill out and do something else i it's really difficult to be able to do that because that is so ingrained that kind of nine to five work day, Monday to Friday thing feels like, yeah, it's so conditioned to think, no, I should be doing this. Yeah. There's, there's so much in that from, I think just, just the conditioning. Cause if you think about it, it's over like, we're talking, you know, more than a decade because it starts at school. These are yeah. formative years at school. And then also, also then just societally in terms of just how things run, like, and I, 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 you know, I'm thinking of like bank holidays in the same vein. I'm like, I, I'll now kind of be a little bit out of touch with what a bank holiday is until mm -hmm. like my mum will mention it or I'll realise it when I, I see, you know, school kids in the cafe or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, it's like, and in that kind of like, I think I think what I realize though is is generally speaking, like uh because I the whole it's the whole like uh morning person night owl thing. Like I can be a night owl, but I'm a lot I can I can kind of go both ways and I'm a lot I much prefer it for myself and my sanity and just also um getting things done in the morning to like just be more of a regular quote 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 unquote mark like uh morningy person 
So kind of vaguely, it is kind of nine to five, but then I do things, I think within that where I've like, I might give myself a longer lunch break. I guess I've got this morning commute thing going on. I do a half a day from the coffee. So I've, I think I've kind of used that as a framework, but yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm aware, like you say, of how conditioned we are to, and, and there's so much in that to like, like uh, one of the things I, I struggled with was having to be seen to be working at those times and above and beyond those times for like, again, I said, I live at home for my parents because I'm like, I'm doing this weird thing that they don't really get. I'm not making much money right now <laughs> compared to yeah. that job that I had. I, I suppose I just need to be so, yeah, there was a lot in that for me to, to, uh, to un, un, unpack yeah, and get massive. used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you just, don't look like you're just sort of dossing around and <laughs> yeah even though that it's like actually if we listen to and are aware of those creative um it's kind of intuitive creative rhythms and that sense of like this is what i need as we're talking about with energy these are the things that i i that make me more effective um it's likely not to be working nine to five solidly every day and but actually yes that pressure to perform for others for the sake of like well yeah i've spent the day at work therefore you're you're happy to see that like um but actually the most effective thing we might need to do for this sort of work is a a a more sort of sporadic or yeah something that doesn't look like a work day right that's difficult <laughs> yeah that's social think, pressure yeah you've you've, you've yeah you've, you've, you've summed that up perfectly um i am i'm conscious of the time uh, it's flown by as, as i thought it might because um, we always have very interesting conversations that i get lost in um so thank you first of all and then i've got another question um which i'd written down in preparation but to tie it in with something you shared towards the start of the conversation you were talking about this i think battle of the bands your 12 year old self who needed a singer and you and you stepped up to sing Mm -hmm. um and one of the other things or i should say two of the other things if i'm not mistaken i've seen you step into are um tedx talks slash performances um And one of those in particular standing out to me where um, I could really feel, and I think anyone watching that who was there in the room could really feel some kind of intensity around um, perhaps some nerve, nervous energy you had as you stepped into it and then um, proceeded to give like this beautiful performance. Um, So I wanted to ask you about I suppose step like stepping into performing because because I'm it's something you did there as a as a twelve year old and it's something you've done kind of later on as as like an adult. Um, can, can you can you talk can you talk about that about about performance and I don't know stepping in or just whatever. I, I, there's not not necessarily a question here, but I, I'd love yeah, just no, to hear you a, talk about those experiences. It's a really that's a beautiful question. And like, yeah, kind of reliving, reliving the moments of the, that there's a moment just before 
each of those um, performances, actually, all three of those. Um, so that Battle of the Bands and the two TEDx, where uh, I remember it very, very um, tangibly with the first TEDx that I did in Cyprus, where I was stood on the side of the stage, absolutely papping my pants and um, th thinking, like, what am I doing? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, there's 400 people there. It was being it was being broadcast online live as well the i'd done a rehearsal the day before where i'd forgotten a whole like i'd had like brain freeze and completely forgot like a sort of shut down essentially in the middle of the little talky bit um so like <laughs> it's kind of dwelling on all of that and thinking okay i've got two i've got two choices i can make here I can turn around and run away and that's fine. I will survive if I do that. Um, or I can just take the next step in that direction and then another step and then another step. And before I knew what I was doing, I was taking the steps forwards. Um, I was like, okay, it looks like we're doing this. And yeah, I remember like going to the microphone or picking up the guitar, going to the microphone and like, Get, getting the first line out and hearing when you can hear that the sound of your voice sort of reverberating back around the room um and the, at, at first it's like what am i doing oh crap this is what and then something then switches and it's like it's almost like that moment of diving into a co like cold water or like stepping into cold water where you were like acclimatized to it and then it takes you it like sort of you're okay you're safe there's something that means you're getting through this um and yeah i think in all of those situations after a little while you kind of like again the rhythm and the the feel for it just takes over and it's it's something nice and the feeling afterwards of having I think the feeling of having been that <laughs> afraid and then still having done the thing that you were afraid of, which is something that really matters to you. Um, Cause that's another thing of like, what will I regret more turning around and walking off and not doing this or doing this, even if I make a mistake, I'm going to regret, I would regret not doing it more than I regret doing it. Um, and just that feeling afterwards of having done it is just like that's for me that's the high like it's not the high isn't the the performing bit it's the feeling like yeah you faced something here and you went into it and yeah i think that if that sort of yeah it does, <laughs> no, it really does yeah like it, it, it's interesting that you you know you said viscerally you seem to have felt those similar moments pre pre 12 year old about to sing and then that that TEDx talk um and yeah it's always the sometimes the anticipation and like the first the first few moments and then it kind of is okay and then, like you say afterwards you feel amazing it's a little bit like you mentioned you you, you go on morning runs sometimes it's like mm -hmm. after a run it's like it's like getting out and, and starting the run. It's like, oh gosh, like I just, I really don't want to do this. And then after you've done it, um, 
sometimes it's right after and sometimes it's like even there's a bit of a delay where later in the day or for me if i'm if i've done like a good workout and i'm in bed and i'm like i feel so good and like so tired in like a beautiful like yeah. tired way i'm like ah oh, i've earned this i feel great um yeah it's yeah it's exactly yeah so thanks thanks for sharing thanks for sharing that um and i think that that's like that's a really wonderful place to leave the conversation um and in doing so like how can folks um like connect with you and your work andy or you know listen to your podcast or really find out more because um yeah you really are i would encourage anyone to um you've got you so many different pieces of you that you share um just to give folks a little uh yeah a little little bit more of a teaser me in a little nutshell things that occupy this is from your website and the about section things that occupy my time energy and excitement are making music podcasting slow coaching writing and finding ways to make myself laugh um and i think all of those things have actually come out the course of this conversation if they weren't already obvious to folks but yeah where, where can where can people find you and, and connect with you yeah i mean that would be the place yeah my website andymort.com um everything's available from there there's like yeah links to the music and to yeah the membership the haven and everything blog awesome hopefully the, a... the blog will be more there'll be more uh, sort of blog posts coming soon. So, <laughs> Well, I hope that, that that new keyboard of yours kind of serves you well. And um, yeah, as I say, it's been really cool watching watching your journey unfold. Thanks for, thanks for sharing a snapshot of it with, with me and, and with us. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens from here as well. Mm. Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much for, yeah, inviting me on. It's been so good to chat and to catch up, if anything else. Yeah.